How do you empathize? Let's begin with acknowledging that we humans sometimes forget that others may not have the same set of experiences or the same background that we do. As a result, we can unintentionally overlook critical observations or assume things that we find easy and straightforward are likewise for other people. The problem is we're then projecting and bringing our own experience, context, and knowledge into our designs. So let's first take a look at the origin of the word empathy. It comes from a German word that describes how people can experience a sense of blurred unity while experiencing an artwork. In the article, What is Empathy? Sung Chan Lim describes this original definition as an experience where the boundary between the objectified self and other blurs without completely disappearing. A metaphor often used to describe the experience was entering into an art object, be it a painting, sculpture, novel, or performance. The metaphor is still used to this day when we speak of stepping into other people's shoes. Note that in his exploration of the word, that being in someone else's shoes is not the same thing as being sympathetic for them or feeling sorry for them. In the user experience world, empathizing is about good listening skills to absorb and understand another person's experience. It's about good observational skills to understand subtle nuance and context. And it's about constructing a body of knowledge or a set of insights from what you've learned and putting these insights at the forefront as you begin to design and continuing to apply this knowledge and inform your team's design decisions along the way. Remember when I said being a designer is like being a giver of great gifts? Empathy is about asking the right questions, gathering information and interpreting it, and then using that to give a design back that works for your audience's latent needs. Because when you truly empathize, you should be able to articulate our users need a better way to do X because of Y. And you can only arrive at X and Y by observing and hearing and understanding this from the user's context and their perspective. So empathizing requires that you be intentionally curious. And this requires action rather than a feeling. You only get to this by practicing a way of seeing and experiencing things in a way that's different from how you might normally do them. And you might need to notice the things that you've previously overlooked from your own perspective. So it's about using equal parts of your imagination and shifting your own mental models and ways while you're at the same time absorbing other people's qualitative experiences and emotional landscapes. How can we change our perspective? Well, to hone your imagination and curiosity skills, I would encourage you to try experiencing your everyday routines in temporarily different ways. Challenge yourself to literally change your perspective. Here are a few ideas. Scrunch down and wonder what life is like two feet lower. Try grocery shopping with a basket while restricting the use of your dominant hand or limiting your bodily movement. So for example, not being able to bend or grab in the way that you might normally. Put on earplugs and go hang out with your friends. 
Go for a long walk and only allow yourself to go on and off the sidewalk if there's a ramp. Try to choose one random thing to pay attention to for a full week, whether it's a color, a typeface, or an architectural style. Now come up with a few of your own ideas. Or, if you're feeling stuck, use one of the empathy prompts listed under resources. Now that you've practiced your curiosity skills, you'll be more primed to observe and absorb. Observation requires that you look for clues hidden in plain sight. Think of yourself less as a designer and more as a detective. Take notice of the things that might have otherwise escaped your attention. Some great ways to observe. Look for how people are solving problems through hacks and wonder why they chose to solve it that way. You can look for marks like wear and tear that indicates patterns of usage and see if those patterns of usage fit that the way that it was intended to work. Heighten your awareness of nonverbal communications. So, for example, in your next kind of boring meeting, look at how people are communicating with their body language, gestures, and facial expressions. Are they in sync with the words that are being said? Even non-communication is a type of communication, so you can notice that too. Try observing with a different sense. Go on a sound walk or a smell walk or explore textures. What non-visual information did you notice that you hadn't noticed before? Ask if you could shadow someone as they go about their job or task. Pretend you're seeing it for the first time and jot down what they do exactly, step by step. Find TikTokers or YouTubers in different parts of the world who can show you what life is like there and their own experiences. And then look for similarities and differences between their typical life and yours. And just for fun, take video walks around the world and compare what you see there to life as you're used to it. In future modules, we'll explore how to do more traditional UX-style empathy, such as semi-structured interviews and contextual inquiries. But going straight into this without first building your curiosity and observation muscles means you really just be scratching the surface and missing lots of data. So, begin by looking around you first. I want to conclude by briefly touching on the topic of universal design and accessibility. These terms essentially mean inclusively designing for as many types of people as possible, including, but not limited to, those with disabilities. At heart, it's about making products and services easier for everyone to use. And I'm so excited that these concepts are much more mainstream now than ever before. It goes without saying that empathizing is very important when you're designing for an audience who may have a different set of needs. But rather than thinking of accessibility as an entirely separate type of persona though, I'd encourage you to think of the people you're designing for as existing on a spectrum of disabilities, permanent, temporary, and situational. By this I mean, each and every one of us will experience a disability in some sort of way. Whether it's situational when we're trying to navigate an app with one hand because we're carrying an umbrella in the other, temporarily because we might have injured our arm, or in the unfortunate case of losing use of our arm entirely. If you think of this in that sort of way, you can see how we've shifted from considering what might seem like a minor edge case of designing for people with only one arm 
to a much more impactful one of designing for people who only have one hand available. This is powerful because you can see how what might originally appear to be a minority of users can actually profoundly benefit a much larger substantial group and one that will probably inevitably all find ourselves in at some point in time.